Because there is no objective standard of what's just. The fifth flaw and last one, you can't improve on your morality. There's no objective standard. The fact is we may talk this way or people may talk this way. They don't live this way. They don't live this way. Take something from your friend, something they really like without your permission, and see what happens. See where that moral compass goes. Hey, what are you doing? Or, or slander somebody that you work with. Say lies about them to your, to your, to your, um, to, to your co-workers. And they find out and see, and see how kindly they take to your, your words. There's that sense of justice in us. There is that sense of right and wrong. That did not come from matter, from physical entities. That came from being created in God's image. It's placed in us by God. Makes a lot more sense than it just came about. Fact of the matter is this. Morals are not physical. Morals are not physical. You can't see them. You can't see your soul. You can't see what's going on in there. It's part of being Creator in God's image, you are immaterial. There's a part of you that you are a body and a soul. Or, you know, spirit, soul, and body. Physical, non-physical. There's a physical and non-physical aspect to you as a human being. So, the relativist. Okay, if you can't improve your morality, you can never become a better person. Better according to what? No, better implies a moral objective rule that we try to reach. An objective moral standard that we are trying to shoot for. So, there is such a thing as truth. We can come to know it um, through logic by distinguishing subjective from objective uh, truth. But truth definitely has enemies, and relativism is a big one. And now, we're going to go real quickly with these. Why do people believe versus why should they believe? Right? Why do people believe I'm describing something? Why should they believe I'm prescribing? I'm getting morals into the, the situation now. Okay? I'm talking about not just that you believe Christianity is true, why do you believe that it's true? Why should you believe that it is true? And there are many different factors that impact our belief systems. One of them is sociological. You know, uh, I was raised this way, right? I was raised in a Catholic home, so I'm Catholic. I mean, that's what my, my uncle used to tell me. I go, why are you Catholic? He goes, because my parents are Catholic. Well, okay. Is that the only reason you're Catholic? You know, there's also psychological factors. Uh, because uh, my parents, uh, because my parents, why are you Catholic? Because my parents are Protestants. It's like, what? Oh, now it's a fight between you and your parents? What's the matter with you? What are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? You know? Um, so, so, so let's say Susie purposely believes the opposite of what her parents believe. 
Why? Because there's a power struggle going on there. And that's real. That's real. I found out from my kids, this is just like kind of mind-boggling to me, but um, my kids hate it when I'm right. You know, and, you know, I, I mean, we all got baggage, right? Every home here represented has baggage. Our family has baggage, too, granted. But thank God for God's mercy. But all that aside, why do you hate it when I'm wrong? No, when I'm, oh, no, when I'm right. Thank you, honey. Why do you hate it when I'm right? I don't know. It just, it just does something to us. I'm going, I'm going, okay, you know. I mean, and, and you know, this is just an aside. Um, as believers, our goal should not be to be right. Our goal should be to discover the truth. Which is we're going to require humility. That we don't know everything. It's going to do a lot for our character. And, in our, and it's going to uh, help our interpersonal relationships. You don't have to win an argument. How boring is that? I mean, come on, man. Life's too short for that. I want to get at the truth. If winning the argument helps me help you or uh, helps you help me get at the truth, right on. But just winning it because, you know, you've got an ego that needs to be stroked. It's like, you know, I got better things to do and I, and I believe you guys do too, right? Yes, I didn't hear too many rights there. Okay. Um, there's also philosophical factors. I believe, somebody might say, I believe that the universe had a beginning as opposed to being eternal because, because um, the Kalam cosmological argument has persuaded me of it. Well, we're going to deal with that next week. Or somebody believes because of, the, of, of, the, of their cultural factor. For example, you know, people are Hindu. Why? Because they, they were born in India. All right. But these are not necessarily bad. These things are not necessarily bad. But they do indicate that they are different reasons for why people believe. Okay? Why do they believe? There's different factors. The issue is, why should people believe what they believe? And this is the crux of the matter. Why do people believe as opposed to why they should believe? And I'm going to say, you should not believe something that you know to be false. I don't think that's a good idea. And in fact, none of us in here, in our right mind, believe something that is false, knowing that it is false. Things that we believe, usually we believe them to be true. They might be false, but at least we believe them to be true. Okay? So what kinds of religious beliefs are there? There's, there's many different kinds. Um, you know, at the core of the Christian faith, at the core of uh, Christianity, is uh, that God is a loving God, He's a just God, and He's made provision for His creatures to enjoy relationship with Him. Because of our rebellion, He made provision for His Son to rescue us from the wrath of God. And to prepare for us a new heaven and a new earth. 
A life that will not end. That is more glorious, joyful, and exhilarating than anything we can imagine of here. There's also religions that um, are occult religions. Religions that uh, practice witchcraft, voodoo. Uh, There are religions that... uh, they're imperial religions. In other words, they worship um, the king. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, if you recall uh, Egypt and the pharaohs. They were worshipped. The pharaohs were worshipped. Um, you know, uh, the Roman Caesars, they were seen as a god. So you didn't want to go against Caesar. Um, you know, uh, in, in uh, Russia, it was Stalin. Uh, in Germany, it was Hitler. There, there was, a, there was a, a worshipping of these people. It was pretty sick. Um, But you know what? We're no different. We do it today. We've got our political parties. We have our, 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 our guy or our girl that we want in office. And we are baking all of our hopes and dreams on them being there. We are placing a tremendous amount of stock in them ruling. We do it. You know, there, there, there are religions that, um, you know, for lack of a better term, they worship sex. You had the, the Baals in the Old Testament. You got Sunset Strip here um, today. Nothing new under the sun. Um, you've got uh, prophetic religions uh, like um, uh, Islam, where uh, their religion is based on a prophet. And uh, you've got revelatory religions, which are the Judeo-Christian faith that um, hold to one God who has revealed himself in time and space. And this God has disclosed himself. Okay? So there are many different kinds of religions. Uh, a book you might want to get, uh, I'll bring it probably next week. It's called um, The Handbook uh, to... Uh, the different religions by um, Halverson. It's a really good compact little book. It just gets to the point of the different beliefs and the difference between those beliefs and Christianity. It's very helpful. Um, and then lastly, we want to get to, you know, should Christianity be believed? Christianity should be believed only if it's true. Only if it's true. Christianity precisely makes that claim. Christianity makes the claim that it is true. Concerning Christianity, Michael Green says this, contrary to the opinion of many, Christianity is not primarily about morals. It is about restoring the broken lines of communication between God and man. And how has God done this? First of all, God became incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is God the Son who came. Okay? Jesus had credibility. You just read the Gospels. And 
you look at his life and you can only come, you know, you're going to have to make some conclusions. You might think he's a liar because what he's saying. You might think he's nuts. You might think he's a mystic. Or the Lord of heaven. But you're going to have to come to some kind of a conclusion to who this Jesus is. The Old and New Testaments are primary source documents. This is another thing. This Bible is a primary source document that we have. And has been put through more scrutiny than any other religious works of literature. And it shines. Then you got the resurrection of Jesus. And I read earlier where Paul said, if Jesus Christ is not risen in space-time history, we are most to be pitied. More to be pitied than anybody else. Why? Because we think that this actually happened, that it is true when it is not. Okay? And then we've got the radical conversion of the witnesses of the first century. I mean, you look at Peter, James, John. One of the things I, I share with non-believers that, that gives um, weight to the historical reliability of this Bible, not the inspiration, just the historical reliability for starters, is this, is that its heroes are not shown just to be squeaky clean. Think about it. All the heroes of faith. All of the heroes of faith. Think except for Daniel. Or Jeremiah. Enoch. All of the heroes of faith, they're, 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 they're good and their bad is on display. Now, if you're wanting to persuade me, especially when it comes to the New Testament and the apostles, that you know, I need to believe this, that Jesus really is who he said he is, that these people, I can trust their words, then you're probably not going to want to show their warts, their infighting. My gosh, the disciples fought among themselves all the time. You know, even after Jesus rose from the dead, you know, Peter was shown by Paul to be a hypocrite. Peter, conf I mean, Paul confronts Peter for his hypocrisy. Not eating with the Gentiles because the Jews are there. You know, it even shows that Peter in Acts chapter, what is it, Acts chapter 10? He didn't understand that the gospel was for all the nations. How about the resurrection accounts? The resurrection accounts. Do you know who first saw the empty tomb? Who was it? A woman. You don't do that in that in that culture. Why? Because their word means nothing. <laughs> yeah, but the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, made sure it would get in there. It reads like history. It doesn't read like myth. It doesn't read like a fabricated story. I mean, look at Paul the Apostle, who was Saul. He was a murderer. He was a religious zealot, the most difficult to convert our religious zealots. They're more difficult than any. And you see his conversion. 
and see what God did in his life. He had problems too. He had problems with John, Mark, and Barnabas. They separated ways. There was conflict in the ministry. (laughs) It's nothing new. And then toward the end of Paul's life, somehow he reconciled with, with, with Mark. And then you've got the continued conversion of people throughout history. And even our own. Think of your life before. If you're a Christian, think of your life. Think of the time when there was, when you did not love Jesus. When your heart was dark. And something happened. The miracle of new birth happened. Your friends knew something. You are different. You are not doing or living the way you used to. And rightly so. Do you know why? Because new birth, new birth is a miracle that brings new life. And that new life is evidenced in how we live. Now there's a beginning to that. We're made right before God. I'm, on the one hand, I am, I'm as holy as I'm ever going to be. I'm justified before God. I'm made right in the eyes of God through Christ's righteousness. Period. It's done. Then there's the issue of becoming more like Jesus. Where I, where sanctification is worked out. Which, by the way, it works out through what? Through the truth, right? Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So bottom line for me is this. Christianity should be believed if and only if it's true. And if it's not, we need to abandon it. I believe that it is true, as do you. And this is one of the reasons why we want to do this kind of of thinking. So that, number one, um, we'll love God more. So that we will more effectively disciple. So that we will more winsomely engage people that don't believe like we do. And so that He will get all the glory and we experience the joy of being partakers with Him in, in, in the work of the kingdom. Lord, I thank You for your mercy on our lives. I mean, the fact that I'm up here, it's your mercy. The fact we're in here, it's your mercy. You are a good God. Lord, I pray that we would grow in our appreciation and our application of knowing what is true both in your word and in the world. Wherever you have us, where we're at work, help us grow in our knowledge base so that we might do it all the more for the glory of God. In the church, help us be better students of your word so that we might know you more, love you more, disciple more effectively, evangelize more winsomely, Lord, I ask that you would do these things.
In the name of your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Questions? No, I know Kurt, though. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's called Sovereign Grace Fellowship. The pastor's Joe LeMay. And, um, yeah, we meet at the, the South, what is it, South Bay Adult School, right? When you said Bob's Grace. Yeah. We have You did. Here. Draves with a D. Ah, uh, it's amazing what one letter will do, man. <laughs> okay. Yes. L- Lynette? Okay, go ahead. In your witnessing? Yeah, in your witnessing. Man, every situation is different because every person is different. Um, Somebody just recently, for instance, gave um, a Jewish lady who teaches the Torah, uh-huh. Isaiah 53, and it was amazing. She literally said, that is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. And then my friend came right back to her and you know, said it is. Yes. And then the lady said, um, well, then uh, perhaps um, that's the way that it's been translated. And I would, you know, I trust that people of my faith have translated it, uh, you know, better. And that that's still not, we still don't see that as a testament to the Savior. Yeah. It's just, it's so amazing how you speak truth, but it doesn't. Well, you know. It's so amazing. Yeah, the seed was planted. In, again, she's Jewish, so you're gonna you're gonna uh, approach a Jewish person a certain way, um, and it would we would do well to to not um, be unthinking when we're dealing with a Jewish person. Um, uh, you know, Christianity. You know, the first you know the primitive church is all Jewish. Our Savior's Jewish. You know, Christianity is is Jewish. It came from the Jews, but it was but, but Christianity came from the Jews to go out to all the nations, to the Gentiles. And so, um, you know, depending on who it is you're talking to, you're going to have to, you know, tailor make what you're dealing with. I think it's important to not only get a knowledge base of, of the faith, of the Word of God, what, what does the Bible teach, you know, the big ideas, but also I think it's important to um, get, um, start practicing, you know, role play uh, with one another, uh, you know, different situations. That's helpful. Um, you know, if you guys have some kind of evangelistic outreach, 
Um, uh, you know, do, do you guys have some kind of a, an evangelistic outreach? What, what do you guys do? Okay. Okay. Acts of kindness. Perfect. Great. Yeah, I saw that. Excellent. Okay, good. These are di- these are different ways that you can brainstorm. Okay, how do I bring the gospel? How do I engage the person? Uh, children, I love talking to kids. Love talking to kids. They're some of the best thinkers. They ask the deepest questions because they're not all twisted like we get when we get older. Their mind's alive. And so, um, you know, de- depending on who it is we're dealing with, depending on the venue, you know, pray. you got to pray. I mean, I don't care. You can do all the preparation you want. This, this is something I've learned um, in these last 30 years. I became a Christian, depending on your theology, either in 1976 or in 1981. Regardless, I love Jesus today. Um, and it's become very apparent to me that it really doesn't matter how much I prepare Unless God, the Holy Spirit, takes what I have here and wakes you up, stirs you up, helps you see something here, I cannot do anything. We are so dependent on God for anything that's good to come out of what we do. I don't think a lot of times we're in touch with it, specifically in this kind of a venue. I'm in touch with it. It's very real to me. And when you're witnessing, it's no different. You know? A good book that uh, you can get from uh, Stand to Reason, uh, Greg Kokel wrote it. It's called Tactics. And I think it's, it, it's, it's a rare book of its kind. You've got hundreds and hundreds of different books written on apologetics and different topics or whatever, but very, very few books that actually help you, how do you engage with people? And this is an excellent book that I commend to you to get. Um, uh, str.org, www.str.org. You can get it online. You can get it from Abe's Books, too. I always go to Abe's Books for used, almost brand new books. So um, that's a real good book, too. To, to help you in your in your dialogue and in your conversation, you know. Yeah. Is that it? Anybody else? Okay. Great. Thank you.